Hey, I'm Christy. And I'm Carrie. And we are Sets the Cub. God, that was really quick. Jesus, we are like on a race. <laughs> what is today? Saturday? Today's Saturday. Mm-hmm. And it is a very hot Saturday. I have not been outside. It is hotter than hell. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I love it. I'm excited about the heat. Yeah. So I uh, hope everybody had a great week. Yeah, me too. I It's been a shit week for me. <laughs> I did nothing but have meetings after meetings after meetings after meetings. And I I had a very stressful week. So I'm I, glad today is Saturday. I called her one day and I was like, what's wrong with you? Are you just in a bad mood or are you having a shit day? She's like, I'm having a shit day. I'm like, all right. And then I think I continued to talk about myself for another 10 minutes before I got off. I don't even know. I was so out of it. I was just like, oh, my God. It was it was a conversation that I don't quite remember. Well, and, and in Christy between and I, meetings, Christy and I are completely different because if I was in that mood, I'd be like, I ain't answering this phone. It's going right to voicemail. You better text me. <laughs> no, I, well, you never, I don't know. I worry that there's something right. important or right. like you're in a ditch or something. That's fair because there have been times when I'm like, I need you to call me back yeah, so. or 911 yeah. or something has happened and I didn't call you. You were like, what the fuck? Why didn't you call me? Exactly. So, yeah. Anyway, I've learned to pick up my phone. Yes, she has. She- so I read a really crazy article. Um, and it was really a headline. I didn't read the whole article, but, um, there was a nun that was arrested for, um, and well, she was embezzling. She had been stealing from the school that she had been working at to fund her gambling habit. (laughs) What the fuck is happening in our world where nuns are embezzling money from the schools that they work at? to fund their gambling gambling habit yeah i mean it was it's a real what state was this in i can't remember i gotta look it up but i i read it the other day and i was like oh dude i gotta i gotta share because you know (laughs) it was it was too crazy i was like what the fuck here it goes none admits to stealing over eight hundred and thirty five thousand dollars from her school to help finance gambling habit how much money eight hundred and thirty five thousand jesus yeah is that not crazy Mary Margaret Cooper. Mary Margaret. And which is a very good Catholic name. Yeah, there's a Mary Margaret Margaret out here that's a bartender. Yeah, Mary Margaret. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 79 years old, Los Angeles resident. 79? Yep. Violated her vow of poverty, clearly, during a 10-year period in which she pocketed tuition money fees and charitable donations intended for St. James Catholic School in Torrance, California. Wow. Yeah, she was principal for nearly three decades. And I wonder how long she's been embezzling, right? Like I, that that amount of money, I would imagine, a while. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, ooh. isn't that crazy, though? Yeah. $835,000. You know what I could do with that money? Literally. Not just thinking. This literally. I would, I would not be gambling it. That's I for damn sure. would not be getting caught. That's... Ne- <laughs> that's... <laughs> I say I'm not going to do it. Here goes straight to I'm just not going to get caught. All right, Pee-wee Gaskins. <laughs> I think it's um, very interesting. But anyway, I, I, you know, I could do a lot with that money. Um, yeah. I. Um, there's so many things. 
so many, so many things. I was, I'm literally so funny. Yeah, you're right. I'm sitting over here thinking I would be put opening this Swiss bank account. I'd have a passport, a different name. And you're like, I just wouldn't be gambling. Well, I mean, I like the occasional scratch off card, right? You know, the lottery, because the other day when I got stressed, I went over and bought a scratch off and I was like, you know what? This is probably not a good habit. It's to just start. Scratch off. <laughs> it's like gateway into <laughs> right? casino gambling. Scratch off tickets. Right. It's either I do that, I smoke a cigarette, which I don't smoke. You know, you do some drugs, you start drinking when you're stressed. I mean, this is how habits, you know, That's start. Fair. Chrissy starts getting stressed out. She's got to go buy fucking scratch offs. A thousand dollars. She's got a roll of scratch off tickets that she. I want twenty out of, of the gas all of that. station. Yeah. How much did that cost you? Fourteen hundred dollars. How much did you win? Four. <laughs> nice. But it feels so good to win. And you know what? Um, yeah. If it's just a one-time thing, who cares? Yeah. Do it. Oh well. It is what it is. So anyway, I digress. Let's get into the story. Thank you. So, for, thank you for that riveting story. You're welcome. You're welcome. So we are discussing Lizzie Borden today, guys. We had a fantastic adventure. First episode after the trip. Yep. After, um, well, no, because we did the Ouija board. Let me rephrase this. First Lizzie Borden episode after our trip. Yes, that is correct. And I'm going to tell you, it was it was really um, interesting. We had the whole house to ourselves. Oh yeah. And it was so very, we, we got to go to room to room, to room, to room. We took lots of pictures, which I'll post. We had a couple of videos. Um, it was apparently the Lizzie Borden house had been up for sale and another company bought it. So they had been shut down for a little while. So we were actually the first people in the house staying after it was bought. Now, when we got there, how did the guy say it? Just the the house is yours. Yep. Take the the equipment is over here. Yep. They normally it costs extra extra amount of money. The ghost equipment. Yeah. That's correct. Like the 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 whisper box and and or spirit box rather. And um, we were in everything. Yeah. It was very cool. It was very cool. It was uber creepy. Um, I will say a review of the house. It was very pretty. Um, but oh, I thought it was so super quaint and cute. It was, but the mattresses were hard as a rock. Yeah. So they were from the mid 1800s as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> felt like it. It definitely felt like it. Um, and sheets on cinder blocks. Yes. But everybody in the house is like super knowledgeable. They, um, you know, any questions um, they answered. It was it was a very it was a it was a great visit. Um, Fall River um, for those or any of you that are living in Fall River. I know we have a couple listeners out there that live there and it it's a really cool little place. Um, it wasn't, of course I had been there a couple weeks before, before we went back. Yeah. Right. Right. It wasn't at all what I expected. I assumed I had it in my head, right. Mm-hmm. That this little bed and breakfast was going to be on 10 acres of land in the middle of beautiful rolling fields or some right. blah, blah, blah. No, it was not. It's not. <laughs> It's right downtown. Yeah, it was. And and really, they had some excellent restaurants. Um, they had some really cool. They had a brewery. Um, and it was the last day of the mask mandate there. So the next day was, um, you know, free for all, which was great. And um, it was really cool. Um, so as we get into the story, we'll tell a little bit about the house and where we saw things. Um, there were no, um, crazy experiences except for the one 
where there was banging noise. Yeah. So there was a tour that night and they did some, you know, we did some ghost stuff and oh, I got a picture of an orb. I got a picture um, that's flying. It's a video. Isn't it a video? Yeah, it's the video. It video. Yeah, which is kind of cool. But um, we will post that. But, you know, after everybody left, I will say it was pretty flipping spooky in a house where, you know, people were murdered and you're there by yourself. Yeah. So it was super kind of spooky. But um, and what's going to happen? Like, if we had to call 911, I don't think anybody's going to get there. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> okay, but, whatever. We'll see you tomorrow. Nice yeah, spring. y'all have fun with that. <laughs> no, but it was, you know, when they there was that banging noise. Yeah. And we were like, what the fuck? And it just kept happening and happening. And then when we went to look, there was nobody there. So that was the one creepy ass thing that I will say happened. I don't know where it was coming from in the house. Um, we were upstairs because that's where all the bedrooms were. But there was a distinct, a good knocking noise 10 minutes after everybody had left, which was very strange. Um, and then there were no cars in the in the parking lot. I don't know what it was. And it definitely creeped me the hell out. But, you know, my logical side of my brain was like, all right, I got to go to sleep. And I'm worried about this tomorrow. Yeah, we're worried about this tomorrow if we wake up dead. So, (laughs) so anyway, that being said, um, it was a, it was a cold trip and we'll, we'll talk about the house as we go through the story. So Carrie's going to take this first episode and talk a little bit about the background of Lizzie Borden um, and, uh, you know, just her in general. Yeah, I'm going to go into um, really her her childhood and her relationship with her biological mother, the relationship with her stepmother and her sisters and, you know, her dad. Just kind of go through what I think is, don't get me wrong, I love the murder part, but I really like the history. What happened in your childhood to make you do what they think you did? Right. 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 And I, I have a few theories of my own, yeah. which. But the theories, we'll, I wait, think we'll until, wait until the end of your episode. Yes. And then let's hammer out what our, because my mind is not squirreling, but it's whirling right now. Right. Like, okay, this or this or that. So yeah. there's so many other um, you can, variables yeah. in there that, that could really point away from Lizzie. So it's it's fairly interesting. So, yeah, let's get into it. So Lizzie Andrew Borden, a.k.a. Cutest name ever Elizabeth not Elizabeth but Elizabeth how adorable is that yeah I like that um famous well infamous right for allegedly murdering her father and stepmother ultimately we do know that she was acquitted but the murders are memorialized in the children's rhyme that we've all heard Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax when she saw what she had done she gave her father 41 I remember hearing that when oh yeah I didn't even know who the hell Lizzie Borden was or what it was. I think it was years before I realized that, oh man, this was really something that happened. Right. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know the Did it? Did the, oh my God. Use your words, lady. <laughs> Rented lips. Isn't that what you say? Rented lips. I don't know. Did you know you portion? The did you know portion of our, of our podcast today, Gail Borden, who invented condensed milk in the mid 1800s and founded the Borden Milk Company was a distant cousin of Lizzie Borden. So he is her sixth cousin, which in my mind, I have 
no idea how to comprehend what that is, but I know it's distant. Yeah, that's a long, that's a long I can't family tree line. I need like a, I need a flow chart. Yeah, I yeah. Need to see what well, yeah, comes out. So based off of my understanding, any Borden's, like anything related to, you know, Borden milk, um, the condensed milk, all of that, they're all related to Lizzie, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I didn't know until our trip. Yeah, of course. But one of those interesting little little things also, too, that I thought was um, interesting and maybe just because I'm weird. But Lizzie Borden, Lizzie was not a nickname. Uh, Lizzie was her christened birth name. It wasn't short for Elizabeth or anything like that. Lizzie. And I don't know that I've ever one. I don't know that I've ever met a Lizzie or have talked to a Lizzie that wasn't short for Elizabeth. It was just an assumption that I had. Oh, her name must have been Elizabeth Borden. Yeah, my well, I, yeah, my sister-in-law's name is Liz, but the it's real short name for is Elizabeth. It, it's right? Elizabeth. Yep. I just thought it was super cute. Yep. So she was born in uh, Fall River, Massachusetts, and she lived there her entire life. She was the youngest of three children born to Andrew Jackson Borden and Sarah Anthony Morse Borden. Mm-hmm. So Andrew and Sarah, biological parents. Yes. And Andrew loved his wife, Sarah. Um, She was beautiful. She was petite. They were married on Christmas Day in 1842. Andrew was 23. Sarah was 24. And from what I can tell, this truly was love. This was soulmate kind of love. They really did love each other. Oh, yeah. This wasn't, yeah, this wasn't like a somebody wedding their their daughter off to someone else in an arranged marriage or whatever. Right. They really fell in love with each other. And the picture of her in the house of her of Lizzie's biological mother, she's beautiful. Yeah. She really is a beautiful lady. Yeah. Um however, it would be 5 years before they had any children. Emma, Lizzie's oldest sister, was born March 1st, 1851, and unlike Lizzie, Emma did have an opportunity to know her mother, and of course she loved her very much, you know. Just before Emma's sixth birthday, a second daughter, Alice, was born. Emma loved playing the big sister role. She loved playing mommy. She would hold Emma. She would take care of her little sister. All, of course, you know, this love was taught and instilled by and from the love of her mother. So it was very loving home at that point. Right. Of course, all this love was short-lived because after only two years, baby Alice would die of hydrocephalus, which is essentially water on the brain. It's the buildup of fluid in the cavities deep within the brain where the extra fluid puts a lot of pressure on the brain itself and it can cause it can cause brain damage and most common in infants and older adults. That's so sad. Yeah. And so it's characterized by the large in an infant, the large head. Have you seen the, oh. it almost looks like the light bulb shaped head. They're huge. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So she would have now granted she was two when she died. So, but she would have experienced severe headaches, impaired vision, cognitive difficulties, loss of coordination and incontinence. And then those last three in an infant would be like, you wouldn't even know because no. they're trying to figure out what their coordination, hand-eye coordination is. And they're peeing in diapers, right? But the the large head would have been a telltale sign. Well, that and probably the constant screaming because her head hurts so bad. Right. I can't imagine. I hate when I have a headache. Can you imagine having water in the brain and you just have a constant headache all the time? No. And I did Ugh. a little bit of I did a little bit of research on it because I, you know, at that time in the in the 1800s, what did they mm-hmm. what did we know about it? Mm-hmm. Right? 
So treatment in modern times is often a tube or a shunt that's inserted surgically and it drains the fluid typically into the stomach, right? Mm -hmm. So it can just be digested. And it's pretty rare in the United States, only about 200,000 cases per year. Oh, wow. This was not a very common thing. Right. And this was, these figures are back from 2019. So it's pretty recent. Right. Um, And there are actually several articles indicating that hydrocephalus was discovered or at least known about in the 10th century. Oh, wow. Well, I guess because of the unusual shape of the head. Yeah. So they were able to skeletons of, you know, babies who had the the large shape. Sure. Yeah. Um, And most of how they were treating it then, which was by surgically trying to drain this fluid, Mm -hmm. Ultimately, most of the time, this would result in the death of the of the infant. Um, ultimately, I cannot say that the Bordens decided to or not to uh, perform any surgeries. Only that Alice passed away from this. I don't know yeah. if it's a disease or or what it is, but it was. I mean, you look at the pictures, you guys. It's just my heart would ache for my child. Oh God, yeah. Now, two more years after the loss of baby Alice, there would be some solace with the joy of another baby, a girl, a girl, Goyle, a Goyle, (laughs) (laughs) Um, a girl born July 19th, 1860. And of course, this was Lizzie Andrew Borden. I I like the middle name, Andrew. Yeah. Well, that's well, so after her father, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I, of course, this was Andrew was his first name. Yeah. I gave my youngest son, my maiden name is his middle name. Right. Yeah. So um, I thought about that here. Clearly, mm-hmm. the maiden name, not a first name of my father or anything, but I, I like it too. It's really well, it's a nice name. I can't imagine my, like my maiden name being a middle name. Like, right. Kohler, no, not, not your middle Kohler name. Kohler is not name. a, it doesn't like roll off the tongue. Like Say it again. Kohler. Kohler. You know, like the toilets. Yeah, yeah I do. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, it's, you know, I'm not related to those, fe- to right. those folks. Um, there's not a six distant uh, cousin or anything. No, because there's, is, it's like K-O-H-L-E-R. We have uh, K-O-E or what? We are K-O-E-H-L-E-R. So yeah, it's, it's not a, it's Kohler. Yeah. I used to get teased. Hey, but that's not as bad as your in the bad last married bathroom. name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say that 14 times real fast just say it once and just roll just laugh <laughs> crotchcroft now i can imagine i went to school with yeah. a crotchcroft and um yeah just for a couple of years and yeah and we're related yeah yeah and i can't imagine having that name well i mean <laughs> i guess i can because my my carrie i got picked on all the time like you know carrying rhymes with harry and scary sure and, i mean like so i i understand that Carl. C- Carl, right? <laughs> People call you People Carl. People call me Carl because I spell it C-A-R-I. I'm like, okay, um, <laughs> Carl. <laughs> I um, love it when they call so, you Carl. So quick so quick story here. Since I think, I don't know if I've told Christy this, but my brother Adam and I used to go to um, Witch Witch when mm-hmm. I worked downtown. And we'd go to lunch a couple times a month. And at Witch Witch, for people who don't know, you write your name and what you want on a paper bag. You give it to them. They make it. They put your sandwich in a bag. And I and love they are Witch so Witch. good. And they have malts. They have like a chocolate malt. Yeah, they have do. A milkshake. So I put my name, C-A-R-I, on the, on the bag. <laughs> And my brother and I are talking. Next thing you hear is, 
um, Adam, sandwich for Adam. And then you hear a Carl, sandwich for Carl. <laughs> and, I, and I look and Adam's like, don't worry, don't worry, Carl. I got it. You sit right there, Carl. You enjoy your malt. I'm like, oh my God. I love it. Oh my God. It's fantastic. Oh, anyway, yes. So I digress. I know. Sorry. A quick interlude. Quick interlude. Now back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't remember what I said. Did I say two more years after they lost baby Alice? Yep. And now we got baby Lizzie. Okay. Thank you. Um, and now we have baby Lizzie. Now the gender likely would have been a bit of a disappointment for 38 year old Andrew, the father, but Sarah and Emma were thrilled and delighted with baby Lizzie. Well, cause Andrew wanted a boy. Right. 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 Yeah. I would, you know, I, Clearly, I wasn't alive at that time, but everything I hear is son, 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 yeah. sons. Um, and Emma was around nine when Lizzie was born. So she was even more prepared to handle and help take care of her sister, which Sarah allowed her to do. And she loved doing. And of course, Sarah was there to guide her. This wasn't, hey, Emma, just take care. Yeah, take care of the kids going out. (laughs) Everyone showered her with love, with affection. And we know now, right? But even reading through this, if I didn't know how this, what the outcome was, she was going to be spoiled, right? Those children were definitely going to be spoiled. Well, I think usually, you know, the youngest is spoiled regardless. I know mine is. Well, I say <laughs> spoiled. Well, and yours right. is the only girl too. Oh, yeah. And also too, I say that because typically when we're talking about the ch- the childhood of anyone that we're talking about, it's usually terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. this, is a, this is refreshing, right? Yep. So tragedy does strike again in the Borden home when only three weeks after Emma's 12th birthday in 1863... Sarah, uh, Emma and Lizzie's mother, dies of uterine congestion Uh and spinal disease. And this, of course, leaves Emma and three-year-old Lizzie without a mother in the 1800s. Not so horrible. I mean, can you, I mean, anytime losing a parent is awful, but being so young to lose a parent is, that's devastating for, especially for a little girl, right? You know, I, I absolutely 12 years old. I yep. had the opportunity, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? I had the opportunity to know my mom, but I'm also 12 and I need her now and right. she's gone. And then Lizzie um, just never really had the chance to yeah, know her mother. To know her mother. So, mm-hmm. you know, this means that Emma was able to spend and develop more of a bond with her mother than Lizzie was able to, which is just what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And we have talked before on this podcast how. Some people can have memories from a really young age. I think I shared a little bit about one of my memories from when I was two. However, this does not appear to be the case with Lizzie, um, as she claimed that she did not have any memory of her mother. Yeah. Well, I mean, if there's nothing significant that happens, you know, memory-wise, I don't know that you would remember your mother. Yeah. You know, and and it's you weren't prepared to take all of your memories because somebody died instantly. Right. That, you know, you weren't able to kind of nurture or cultivate them or you know that kind of thing right. at that age so i don't yeah it's sad and the memory that i have from being so young was traumatic so well it that's wasn't, what i'm saying yeah there's yeah, nothing it's going significant. right along with it was it right. was not it was not you know a, a me coloring and yeah you know when i was two years old with my mom or anything like that right so there i think there's absolutely 100 percent some truth to that 
I mean, of course, the Bordens had family members close by. They had grandparents, they had aunts, and they lived next door. They lived all around. They were not alone. However, it was Emma who was the one that took on the care of Lizzie. Also, before Sarah passed, Sarah made Emma promise to always look after her young, her little sister, Lizzie. And it was something that she, she never took lightly. She was very diligent and she did not relinquish this role easily. And a, a part of me here is like, God forbid, right? Mm-hmm. A, a dying mother or father, hey, look out for your sister probably doesn't mean what it turned into. Oh yeah, no right? doubt, no doubt. Um, it just means, you no. Know, make sure that you, you help know, her along. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> but at 12 years old, already emotionally mm-hmm. and um, you, you're just already kind of battling changes. Well, yeah, but, and also keep in mind, I mean, this is 1800. It's a little bit, kids I think grew up a little bit quicker mm-hmm. back then. You were responsible for, you know, chores, yard work, you know, the farm, whatever, whatever it was that, you know, uh, your family did for a living. It was, you know, your responsibility to kind of grow up fast and handle it, whether you were a girl or a boy. So I can imagine the pressure, the pressure, especially for a girl, Emma. Yeah. Especially for a girl, because I think typically from what I've read or recalled pressure on the boy was more like if there was a, a like my grandpa mm-hmm. at, I think he dropped out of the sixth grade to take care, care of, of brothers. Yeah. But I think that was something that, that boys, young men did mm-hmm. more often than young girls. Did. Well, yeah, but girls didn't go to school. I mean, you were responsible for cleaning the house, cooking, you know, taking care of the family. I mean, that was your job. And so, yeah, I mean, poor Emma's 12 and she's having to do that. Plus take care of a child, you know, and her dad who is not, you know, well, I can imagine he's depressed, upset. You know, my wife's died and I've got these two little girls. What the hell? Well, we haven't gotten there yet, but I'll go ahead and say it because the conversation we're moving that way. They were, they were wealthy family. So after the death of Sarah, he did have housekeepers come in. He did have um, sturdy women to help around the house. Sturdy. I like, I like the, I the, the adjective there, sturdy. You mean, she's a handsome filly. She's a handsome filly. All right. B. Arthur. <laughs> we have so several Emma- B. Arthurs come in and take care of the family. So Emma really becomes Lizzie's only friend. And she does transform into a mother figure for her, mm-hmm. just like we were talking about. Three years after her mother's death, Andrew Borden marries Abby Gray. Um, they all move to a little bungalow in Fall River, which is the no, bed and breakfast. I was going to say, it's not really a little bungalow, though. It's not. It's a big house. I thought it, here's the thing. Yes. I thought it was a big house and and I thought it was cool. I thought it was quaint and pretty and um, it would have been. Well, I mean, it was very, um, I think it was pretty sparsely decorated at the time when they were there. Yeah. Um, but it definitely showed that they had money. Well, you know I what would, I mean? I would think so, but um, we'll, uh, we'll get a, there's a little more yeah. information that I want to share about that. Absolutely. <clears throat> so now with the marriage between Andrew and Sarah, which is Lizzie and Emma's mother was a love match. This was anything but a love match. The marriage 
of Andrew and Abby really was one of convenience for Andrew. Well, yeah, somebody take care of my kids and clean my house and uh, do the chores. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) For him, he found a capable, respectable, and sturdy woman. Sturdy. (laughs) And really what he needed was someone to take care of the house and someone to look after his growing daughters. Emma especially was getting older and she needed a woman's touch, um, a woman's hand to teach her the charming attributes of a proper Victorian young lady. Well, well, yeah. For Andrew, this was more of an acquisition um, instead of a, a love match. You know, I think he felt that he had the love of his life already. Oh, yeah. And that's that's kind of sweet. Yeah, of think course. About it. <laughs> so a woman to help him raise his kids and kind of like we were saying earlier, you know, this was something that happened then. This is something that I know has happened up into the last 50 years. Um, uh, I don't think it happens that much anymore, but when a mother passed away and left children, a father would oftentimes look for someone who could come in and fill the role, raise the children. Um, not necessarily a love connection. Mm-hmm. Well, it's out of convenience. It's, it's a business deal. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. For 37 year old, never been married, Abby. Man, she's, yeah, you, that's like the epitome of a, what do you call an old maid? Yeah. If you've 37 at that, at that time, at that time frame and never been married, holy hell. So she was, you're going to jump on that horse. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> and, and, and he wasn't a bad catch. I don't mean physically. I meant financially. Oh, hell no. Yeah. At that time, hell no. Yeah. So, you know, she was happy. She was happy to be married. She was happy to have a home. She was happy to have a family. This was something that women looked forward to during that time. Um, Her maternal instincts immediately embraced Lizzie, and she hoped that she could be a loving mother as well as a good wife to Andrew, who was said to be stern but extremely prosperous. So she really was hopeful that this could be good. You know, Mm -hmm. the Bordens were odd and a little strange. Their home lacked electricity and indoor plumbing. It was a skin flint household. What is skin flint? Yeah, please explain. Let's elaborate. I had to Google it because I was, yeah. So it's essentially, it means a person who spends as little money as possible. Frugal. Bargain shop. They're stingy, frugal. Um, And of course, we do see throughout this story, and I'm sure even into yours, Chrissy, it's going to progress and money is a source of contention between the sisters and Abby and Andrew. It's just, it's just threaded all throughout this story. Well, yeah, he was very, very stingy with his money and I don't know what he was afraid of. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that are frugal and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I wish I was more frugal, but I have some, I have a couple of snippets later on Mm -hmm. that, um, that I'm going to talk about with regards to that right because yeah outside looking in he was definitely frugal stingy what do they call him um misers misers that's exactly the word i was looking for yeah yeah Yeah. um now i said that abby was excited to be married to have a family but emma at this time was into her teenage years and she was very cold and she was very distant towards Abby. She did not embrace Abby's attempts to teach her, to give her love, to mold her, to help her. She was very distant and standoffish and really wanted nothing to do with Abby. And it wasn't a pleasant change. She had been in charge of baby Lizzie, but now she has been trumped by essentially an intruder, right? And her animosity towards Abby was very transparent and it went viral. And eventually 
her younger sister, Lizzie, picked up on the animosity and she would join in. And it caused a lot of disruption in the family. So put yourself in Emma's shoes, 15, 16, however old she is. And your dad's <clears throat> your dad's remarried to someone who's going to come in and take everything away, right? Yeah, and I'm going to be a bitch because, you know, you, you've taken, my mom's gone. Yeah. I'm... <laughs> She's looking at me like, why are you about to be a bitch? <laughs> no, like, I'm, I, I'm definitely, I'm going to be a bitch. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm hormones, emotions, yes. everything at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so now as for Lizzie, she's now influenced by two mothers, her new stepmother. And of course her blood surrogate mother, her very own sister. And like I said, I can't imagine how conflicted Livy must have been, not at that time realizing the conflict, but later on in life, I would venture to say this could have had a traumatic impact. Right. I'm not saying this ultimately impacted anything. I'm just saying this could have been traumatic. And, you know, all this tension is transferred to Lizzie. And I can almost imagine Emma holding her baby sister, Lizzie, on her knee, showing her a picture of her mother, her beautiful mother that she never knew, saying, this is our real mother, Lizzie. Her name was Sarah, and she loved you very much. Not our steppy, Abby. She can never be our real mother. This is our real mother. So steppy was something that they would say. Well, and you know, poor Lizzie. Yeah, not in the middle. No, yeah, she's caught in the middle trying to be loyal to her sister and her real mother. And then there's Abby. And so, you know, you take Emma out of the picture. Who knows? Abby and Lizzie may have been close, closer if Emma had not been in the picture to, right. you know, right. have that bad influence. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the girls get older. There's little to no attempt to hide any disdain towards Abby. They ultimately thought that she was a gold digger and they refer to her as Mrs. Borden. I think it's funny. My head goes to that stupid gold digger song by Jimmy Fox. She ain't nothing but a gold digger. I love that song. By I the know, way. right? <laughs> they rarely ate meals with Andrew and Abby. And this would, of course, cause tension not only with the immediate family, but with household staff because they would have to clean around them or they'd have to put two place settings out for each meal. Um, and it would make life a bit unbearable. And I got to be honest with you. Um, if I was Abby, I don't know. I'd beat those girls' asses. <laughs> Within an inch of their damn life. Listen, you will respect me. <laughs> I mean, so for the most part, except for the internal conflict, the family lived a mostly quiet and uneventful life. Lizzie attended the Morgan Street School, which was only about half a mile. She had to walk to and from, right? Um, and then a local high school. Now, Emma goes off to a boarding school, and she was separated from Lizzie for about a year and a half, except for the holidays. So Emma was very plain. She was reserved. She wouldn't end up completing her studies there because she lacked charm and experiences. <laughs> I wonder what they mean, like charm. Is it charm being, oh, you're cute and attractive, or charm as in ladylike charm? They did, did she not, belch and bark? Like what? they were very, uh, they were each other's friends. Yeah, they didn't get along. They didn't play well with others. Right. I don't think they know knew how to connect to other children. Oh, okay. Maybe that's not. really the sense that I got. And mm -hmm. I'm not labeling anything. I'm just saying, you know, when I think about people who just don't know how to connect with other people, like kids sure. who don't know how to play with other kids. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe they were on the spectrum. Who that's, knows? That's kind of where I was going without yeah. going there, right? Yeah. Um, maybe. 
it's definitely genetic. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, her dad didn't seem to be somebody that was like overly emotional. He was very stoic, um, very stern. Yeah. And so, yeah, maybe they just adapted that kind of personality. Yeah. And who knows? And there was nothing, there was nothing final that I read about a diagnosis on anything. Oh, sure. It really was just, this is, this is me speculating here ultimately. Um, And it's also possible, right? And we're talking about how she did not finish her school there, that she feared the effect of Abby slash Mrs. Borden, um, what that effect would have on Lizzie during her absence and would rather be at home in Fall River resuming the role of the surrogate mother. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of different dynamics dynamics there. Right. However, her absence did allow time for Abby and Lizzie to bond. It is likely Lizzie wrote letters to Emma just, you know, while she was away at school to catch up and share her experiences. And she potentially could have used the word, you know, mother instead of Mrs. Borden or instead of Abby. And this likely would have caused Emma some frustration. So whatever really happened, Mm -hmm. she did not finish her studies there and she came home. Now, as a student, Lizzie was very average, but she did not make friends easily. Even at a young age, she spoke harshly and very disrespectfully of her stepmother. She would talk negatively about her to school teachers, to other students. Um, yeah. So and she, so was, she was odd. Yeah, she was a bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's this, this this really sum is, it up. Well, here's what it is. This is, this is kind of painting a picture, but this isn't me painting a picture because I want a picture to go a certain way. This story is painting this picture. Yeah. Um, now as a, you know, the oddness of Lizzie became a character trait along with her, her arrogance, essentially likely due to the knowledge that her and her sister were blood wardens. So they were blood related. Right. Right. And ultimately what that meant to them and Abby, their steppy, her class was completely beneath. Right. Yeah. I was going to say she is not, you know, the standard, of the right. And so this was something that they would, you know, use against Abby, them being blood. Yeah, throw it in her mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. They would definitely tease her about that. And Emma, you know, really did play a psychological tug of war between Abby and Lizzie. And that's the perfect way to say it. Psychological tug of war, right? Over the years, Abby would try to be a mother to Lizzie and that would immediately be met with, you know, that she's mine. Get away from her from mm-hmm. her by Emma. So mm-hmm. Emma was very protective over Lizzie. And I can't help but go back and think that not pointing a finger at anyone, but she took her mother's last words, please take care of your sister, probably a little too literally. You think? Right? So this is this is <laughs> that's a little bit too much. And 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 maybe it was you know, she lost her mother, she wanted to have something that was hers and yeah. you know, and she was worried she'd lose that in a relationship to Abby. Right. So she she clung. Again, you don't know the traumatic, you know, um, effects of losing a parent and what that's going to do to a young child. Right. Yeah. I have. Yeah. I have no clue. Um, Lizzie would later say, I had never been to her as a mother in many things. I always went to my sister because she was older and had the care of me after my mother died. So let that sink in for a second. Mm -hmm. Lizzie thought that Emma had the care of her after her mother died. So it was in her head. Yeah. So Emma, and I don't want to say poisoned, right? But Emma told her, hey, mom told me to take care of you. Right. And so I'm taking care of you. I'm the one you come to. I'm your older sister. And she was what, nine, 10 years older than her? Yeah. So nine years, I think. 
So ultimately, it got to the point where the home was completely divided and Abby had had it. She was no longer interested in playing games or, you know, Mrs. Nice Guy trying to endear herself to the girls. She was done. And at that point, the bridges burned and there's literally no point of return. Yeah. At some point you give up and you're like, all bets are off. Yeah. As a stepmother, I would have been like, I'm done. And that's where she and that's where she was at. Right. Mm hmm. So Andrew Borden, let's talk a little bit about Andrew because we haven't really gone into a lot of information about him. So we're going to kind of go back and talk about him now. He was extremely wealthy. He started his career as an undertaker, but ended up buying rental properties and went into banking, banking, not baking. I was banking. <laughs> I, I, I heard it before I even saw your face. I don't know what I, I was like. Oh, my God. It's banking and textile mills. <laughs> He also invested successfully in banks, cotton farms, and other real estate. So he was kind of like a just jack, jack of all trades, James. Yeah. Damn, you owe me a beer. No, but you called James first. Yeah, that's fair. Beer. That's how that goes. <laughs> Damn it. Around the time of his death, he was a bank president and a director of several textile mills. And estimates said he was worth around $300,000, which would have been about $8.5 million in 2009. God bless. We are officially in 2021, you guys. Again, living wrong. I don't know what the hell I'm doing wrong. Thank you. And this <laughs> is not going to make me $8.5 million. And this did not, this didn't include his real estate, right? Mm. Damn, he was a catch then in terms of That's what of, I'm saying, right? And so like money. I said earlier, yeah. he was known for being very stingy with his money. Matter of fact, it was said in contrast to his wealth, the house that they lived in was very small and shabby. And so, like I wanted to mention here, I don't remember thinking it was small and shabby, but at that time, someone who was worth what he was worth, they didn't live in the elite area, right, of town where all the other rich people lived. The The, the kids had to walk to school half a mile, you know, so mm-hmm. they didn't, they didn't, they didn't live wealthy. Yeah, they, they didn't live below their yeah. means. Yeah, which is crazy. If I had that kind of money. Right. I don't know. I mean, why would you be living with no electricity, no indoor plumbing? Why? Well, and so the general perception of Andrew was, quote unquote, he was an unpleasant man. So he is frankly, 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 frankly. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. We should look that up. He is frequently written of as a cold, oppressive patriarch and most especially a penny pincher like the tight-fisted fictional character of Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, that's funny that you should say that because when I think about him, that's exactly, Mm -hmm. you know, who I think of in comparison. Yep. Ebenezer Scrooge. He was, it is believed that he was constantly scrounging for money and very vigilant at holding on to it. I wonder if he was like that before Sarah died. Uh, you know, or I don't after. I know that he, when he was young, I don't think his, you know, as a child, his family had had money, um, and I don't know how they lived. Like, I don't know if he came into money before they got married mm-hmm. or after, or when he. I have no idea. Well, it's interesting because, yeah, I don't know. I go back to the psycho, the psychology of it is, you know, people tend to change after something traumatic, right? You know, maybe Sarah leaving and. He was like, well, shit, I'm just going to hang on to everything. I'm just going to hang on to all my money. It might just be me before long. Right. 
That's just crazy. So Anne Jones in Women Who Kill writes this about Andrew. Made money, lots of it, for the sake of making money. Yet as a Christian, Andrew Borden knew that money could be the root of all evil if one took pleasure in money and used it as a source of enjoyment. The trick then for a good Christian capitalist was to make money, but to enjoy it not at all. And that skill Andrew Borden perfected. Andrew's tightwad ways, she continues, meant that meant the Borden house lacked those amenities, amenities one might reasonably expect in the household of a man who was well on his way to becoming a millionaire, including even a toilet. Right. That's crazy. It's like, yeah, maybe you were so um, religious. You know, I'm going to control, I'm going to make all this money so that no one else can consume it. No one else can. And then I'm going to make sure that nobody enjoys it. You know, because that's well, and so it changes. Of evil. Well, so it changes a little bit here, right? So while saving money was an obsession for him, and that it was, and the family did live below its means. And when I say that, I don't mean they were poor. They just could have lived a, a much bit, easier yeah. and nicer life. Yeah. The dinner table was always loaded with the best uh, food that the market had to offer. Mm-hmm. So he pinched in some areas and didn't pinch in others. I mean, that's, I guess, normal. So while the popular opinion of Andrew as frugal and sometimes penny pinching is incomplete. It's very misleading and it's it's unfair. So he seems to have been quite divided on how he treated his money. Strictly holding on to even tiny amounts here and willingly spending a great deal there. He probably spent very little on himself, but simply because that was something that did not matter much to him at all. He was said to dress very plainly. He never really bought new clothes. Right. Um, But a pattern that emerges when examining both his frugalness and his generosity is that he was a man who was tight-fisted when spending on himself, but very generous when spending on his wife and daughters, except for electricity and... I was going to say, but you have to shit in the outhouse. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's where I draw the line. No, 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 no. They didn't shit an outhouse. So despite all the money that they had, Lizzie grew up with a slot pail and a chamber pot in her bedroom. And this was, you know, this would be something that would prove significant during the the trial. And that's so gross. I'm sorry. I'm going to go squat over a damn pot. I'd rather sit squat over a pot in my room than walk to an outhouse. Well, I mean, that's fair. If I had to choose. Your room is, I mean, how do you smell? Nope. Uh, thank you. My dog shit on the floor the other day because he, I don't know, he's an idiot. He he got nervous. And I'm like, I gagged. Yeah. Like the smell of shit. My you husband a- had to come clean that shit up because I was like screaming at him from downstairs. House. And so I just smell it. Everywhere. And you can't get rid of it. Can you imagine? I got to take a shit. So I'm going to go in my room. I'm going to squat over this pot and then you're going to smell it. And then you're going to go back to sleep. <laughs> I got to wake up in the middle of the night. My stomach is sick. Oh my I'm god! Gonna, whatever, and then and now surely they, I don't I don't know how that works. I mean, do they just put it back under the bed when they're done? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But can you imagine having to? I mean, and then you have to go empty it, Mm-mm. clean it up. Mm-mm. Like, no, I I'm sorry. Like, I'm getting sick, and I'm sure everybody's got this picture in their head. And they're like, I'm turning this podcast off. Click. <laughs> we don't tired of talking about thanks for in a pot. It's like uh, two chicks in a pot. No. <laughs> I cannot believe you even said that right now. And for those of you who have no idea, don't Google that. Don't Google it. It's actually two girls in a cup. Just please stop. Charles, don't Google that. Don't. Oh my God, I'm going to vomit. 
So, so all right, back to the story. Where was I? okay? So now, whether it was for these reasons or her young childhood with her mother and her sister, according to various accounts, Lizzie was considered mentally disturbed. She was known to be a kleptomaniac, despite their living uh, relatively religious upbringing. So she stole shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So local shopkeepers would. After she left the store, they'd walk behind her and they'd check for missing items. They would document those items, tally those items up, and send a bill over to Andrew and he'd pay it immediately. Well, at least, you know, they didn't call the cops. Right. I mean, they just said, okay, she took, you know, this girdle, these socks. I don't mean, I don't know what you steal in the 1870s, but candy. Probably, uh, yeah, candy or... um what else? I, fabric, buttons. I know buttons. I stole a shit ton of buttons, buttons. today. Dear diary, I stole a lot of buttons today. Some buttons, I, some fabric. Riding high on the adrenaline. A handkerchief. I don't know. Like, what? I got nothing. I got nothing. But, <laughs> for, um, and for Lizzie, every single thing that Andrew, that her dad gave to her stepmother, represented a reduction in her own inheritance. So in her mind, every gift, jewelry, prop, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And not necessarily to Abby, but to anybody. Sure. This was, this meant that this is impacting her inheritance. So jewelry and cash one day had disappeared from Andrew and Abby's master bedroom. And of course, the family went through the motions of calling the police. So this is the one time the police were called. And the police came out. They did an investigation. But everybody knew that Lizzie was a culprit. Like it was because she's a klepto. Yeah. Because it was just clear, right? After that, tensions began to increase. They were already running high, right? But they began began to increase to a breaking point. Um, The family began to buy locks and were adding bolts, hooks, chains, padlocks to doors, blocking doors, stopping people from coming in. Um, But coming in from the outside or coming into outside that inside the house or no no lots from room to room oh okay yeah because well and if you remember in the house it's interesting because the house you was, can see where the locks the, the eye hooks were right right but the, the, the lizzie's bedroom is kind of like out in the middle and i don't know because we didn't have the the tour of the house per se it was just that you know ghost tour so i don't know if there were there was a door to Lizzie's room because it's almost like you walk up the hall and it's like her room is wide open. It's almost... Yeah, so there was a door that ran between both rooms. Between yeah. the master bedroom and Lizzie's room. Yeah, and so they must have knocked that down at some point. Yeah. So it's... And her Lizzie's room is pretty big but it then goes into the other rooms. Right. In the back staircase. So it's um, interesting. I wonder how... Well, I guess the locks on the doors would stop Lizzie from going to the master room, but not the other rooms. Yeah. Well, so Abby would lock her would bedroom. Put a lock on both the door, on her bedroom door, the master bedroom, and the door between uh, Lizzie's room and the master bedroom. Right. Okay. And Lizzie would in turn do the exact same thing and she put a lock on her door. And so at this point, it's really tit for tat, right? Right. Matter of fact, Lizzie would take a hold my beer approach and she would escalate the conflict and she would very loudly push a desk in front of her door at night. So, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, and, of course, in reaction, Andrew bought a massive lock, right? 
that he put on, I think, the master bedroom door. But he left the key on the living room mantle and basically silently, you know, kind of daring Lizzie to touch that key. Like the key's here and you better not fucking touch it. That's messed up. They, you know, that's like, like that's a is, lot of psychological warfare yeah. shit going on. That's a lot of game playing. And of course, while all this is going on in the house, they maintain a harmonious facade for everyone else, right? At all times. So there's a lot of craziness that's going on inside, but the community doesn't really know everything that's happening, right? And well, back then... You kept your shit to yourself. I was going to say you don't air your dirty laundry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's nobody posting on Facebook. Right. I got locked on my door. Right. Yeah. Nobody got punched in the face and posted some pathetic <laughs> picture about whatever. Right. You know, so it, it was it was all kept quiet and hush right. hush. Um, and Lizzie's disdain for Abby became more pronounced and more prominent as she grew older. I mean, this was embedded in her psyche from the time she was a toddler. Mm-hmm. She was she was told to dislike or coerced Abby. So there was, you know, this was embedded in her. Um, and her anxiety about her father's wealth and Abby was really her focus. So she focused a lot on the inheritance and what her father was giving to Abby mm-hmm. and what money was there. And, and also focused a little bit on what Andrew gave to other people because Andrew did gift um, expensive properties to other family members as well. So, and of course it did not help when just a few months before the murders, Andrew gifted Abby's half sister. So this is the stepmother's half sister. So not even her full sister. Mm -hmm. She gifted her a, a house, essentially a rental property. Both daughters objected. And of course the fighting got worse. Andrew tried in vain to make peace with his daughters um, who felt they deserved rental properties as well. Matter of fact, they demanded rental properties. And Andrew agreed. So he sold each daughter. He sold them? He sold each daughter a $1,500 house for only a dollar. Oh, okay. Okay. But ultimately, the situation festered. I guess it just wasn't good enough because just before the murders, and so this would have been like within the week of the murders. Yeah. Um, Emma and Lindsay, uh, Emma and Lizzie sold, each of them sold their houses back to their father for $5,000. That's, that's definitely the epitome of flipping the house, I guess. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. With the exception of church, there really was no social outlet for, for Lizzie, right? She was getting older. The prospects for marriage were, um, you know, they were diminishing very quickly, the highly charged atmosphere within the home was starting to bubble over and her financial security, future and independence was in her mind completely threatened. Um, it's just, I can't imagine. Con- I can't imagine what in her mind, emotional, mm-hmm. mental capacity was at that point. If you are hyper sensitive or super focused on something, right. And you can't break away from it. Oh, yeah. That- that will tear you down. Absolutely. Well, and it's it's negative too. It's not like it's a positive feeling. It's not, you know, she's obsessed with the fact that her money inheritance, I guess, uh, uh, you know, bucket of money is dwindling because Andrew is giving it to people who are not related to her right. blood. And so that definitely um, probably caused a lot of 
her negative feelings and yeah. you become obsessed. Yeah. And it, and also too, so their biological mother, Sarah, Andrew also gave her brother mm-hmm. a, a property, right? Yeah. And that was even said to have ignited some frustration and feelings with, with Lizzie. Um, so even though there was blood relation there, yeah, but you know, Andrew, that's what I'm saying. He was kind of a penny pincher, but he also was helpful, you know, to family members. I don't know why he gifted this money. If it was, I'm sorry, he gifted these properties. If it was because maybe they had fallen on hard times or maybe he just wanted to be generous, but, um, well, it was known to give, properties to family members. Well, you know, and property is not like you're handing over a stack of cash. It's, I'm going to give you this property. Well, I was going to say though, you're handing over a property. Now what you do with it on your end is, you know, you've got to make it on your own. It's almost like I can, you know, show you how to fish, but I'm not going to catch the fish for you and give it to you. So it's really maybe in his own head, it was like, I'm not handing over the root of evil, which is, you know, in his mind, money cash he's giving them a chance to potentially their make own, their own money make their yeah. own money and so I, I guess i can understand that and maybe that and this was not what he was him. his thought process was, yeah but and, um and a rental property for him was was nothing it was it was like me buying drinks one night for you you know like absolutely yeah. nothing or whatever yeah yeah like, this was trivial to him and i don't know it, it, it did not sit well with Lizzie and it didn't sit well with Emma, but it really didn't sit well with Lizzie. Mm-hmm. So all of this, right, released a rage within Lizzie that was dormant and deep within her psyche. And at its core, the core of this hatred ultimately was Abby. Because she she's the one that all of this, I guess maybe she's the one that started it. I guess in their head, she is. She never should have married Andrew. Right. The common denominator for all of negative feelings. I think that whether or not he had money or not, they never would have gotten along Mm -hmm. based on just what I feel now. Right. We'll see. That's all I have for this episode. And we'll see how it wraps up next week when. Yeah. So we're we're going to talks about the. Yeah. We'll get into the actual murders um, and dip into some theories on who could have committed the murders. Because as we all know, Lizzie was not ultimately charged and no one else was ever arrested. And nobody was ever arrested. I I definitely have my theories. um, And. And I have a couple. Yeah. I mean, it's not just, well, you said theories, right? Not theory. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, this could go multiple ways. I mean, there's so many what ifs. I know. And then depending on when you look at some reports or some sources or evidence or whatever, it's like, okay, well now maybe this happened. Right. Right. I I definitely think that, um, I don't know that I truly believe that um, Lizzie did it. Hmm. That's that's kind of where my my head is right now, but um, definitely we'll share our our thoughts. And- I think I think ultimately, right now, even things that I've read, like the the you know the movies that I watched, mm-hmm. I think she did. Well, it's funny because when we were at the you know the mansion, mm-hmm. I say mansion, but the house it was not a mansion. It was not a mansion. <laughs> I don't know why I said mansion, but um, when we were at the Lizzie Borden house, you know, um, the lady who gave the ghost tour said, you know, Lizzie's presence is actually never in the house. 
she never visits, um, you know, from a, a ghost standpoint, it's really, um, Andrew, um, it's, there's, you know, the stepmother, but Lizzie's presence has never been, well, she didn't die there. Well, yeah, but a lot of times, you know, when, when there's a house, um, people, and, and especially when something traumatic happens and regardless, you know, you're involved in it, that spirit supposedly comes back. I mean, and, I've heard and of like visits. Yeah, I've heard of a couple where supposedly, like the the mansion in um, Key West, the cigar, right, guy, where she was kicked out, but supposedly her, yeah, her and her, her children, yep, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, there's never any. There's never really been reports that Lizzie is there. She's usually at another property um, where she she goes, and I think it's the house that she actually died in right um but yeah it's it's interesting where there's so much hate and negativity you would think that all those restless spirits the un you know the the non-closure you know all of that well, you know lizzie, all of those beings would come back to lizzie got closure she's good yeah she well <laughs> she she's like i'm good i'm good i killed that bitch but you know but, but we'll kidding. see because my my thought mm-hmm has changed so many different times where yeah. I'm like she's guilty she's not she's guilty she's not and then clearly we will never 100% know because there's so many yeah. different there's so much you can read and, and watch out there now but um, who knows by the time you get done with yours maybe I'll be like yeah she's innocent yeah we'll see but we'll just see. With, with everything my god I don't know yep Definitely, definitely interesting case um, and can't wait to get to episode two so everybody Hang on with us for another week. Um, we'll definitely have um, episode two next Sunday. So um, while Carrie is vacationing in the land of love. Yeah, the land of love. I say love, the heat, humidity. No, I don't care what you call it. It's awesome. She sucks. <laughs> she gets to uh, go back to uh, Key West. And I am here this week. Unfortunately, oh, it's nice here though. Watching her baby. Oh yeah, Charles, so, you're on uh, backup duty. That's yeah. how I let my son know that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a week later. Yeah, um, Chrissy may call you. You may need to. You may need to watch puppy. He'll, uh, he'll be fine. So anyway, um, all right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in, um, and we are hoping you have a great week. Yeah, thank you. Have a good week. Check Stay us cold. out. Don't Stay forget. Cool. Give us uh, five stars on um, Apple Podcasts. Um, send us an e- yeah, Spotify, wherever. Like and follow us on Facebook. Let us know what you think. Please send us an email. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks.